1: Hi, y'all. This is Amanda. I just wanted to hop on before you listen to today's show because it does have some lighter moments that it was recorded before we received the news that there was another mass shooting in America, this time in Tennessee. And as of our recording at about 2 p.m. Eastern time on Monday, three children and three adults are dead after that shooting. The shooter, a 28-year-old female, is also dead. We will be back with you to share details about this on our Thursday show. Batches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute.
2: That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here.
1: Can I provide a definition? Mm No, I can't. Batches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm
3: Brian Russell-Smith.
1: And this is the Vagissa podcast, where C Span meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Our girl Millie is a uh, she's off; she's busy today. So Brian is back. He's back. Welcome, bestie. Thanks. Beautiful. I'm very
3: excited. Yeah, it's very fun to be back. That
1: succession video you got, you were both in this morning, was so funny. Thank you.
4: Well. Mm. A, and a merry, I guess, succession Boxing Day to you all.
1: Yes, go to the
3: go to go to Betcha's Instagram to watch it right Betcha's now, TikTok. right now, right and now. engage. Yeah.
4: So I did admit
1: to both of you that I am a Succession fan, but I am not fully caught up. I had been meaning to fully catch up uh, in time for last night, but then I felt a then I felt a fiduciary responsibility as a Betches employee to catch up at least somewhat on Vanderpump. So I am not fully caught up, but you don't have to, you don't have to, I am caught up to, I'm like halfway through season three. So, you know, I guess for, don't spare the spoilers for me. I would say probably at least 80% of our audience watched last night's episode. Were we satisfied? Did it deliver? Was it everything you hoped for?
4: Yeah, I thought it was a great premiere. I mean, I was very happy to be hit with the double whammy of Yellow Jackets and Succession this week. And never before in my life have I needed the, like, recap at the head Mm -hmm. of an episode more than on both of those, like, both of those seasons. Especially the Yellow Jackets one. I was like, oh, I forgot absolutely (laughs) everything that happened outside of the broad strokes of, like, their plane crashed. (laughs) And they were in the woods. Um, uh, and then succession too. I was like, oh wow, it really has been a long time, and I did forget a lot of the finer points of what went on here. So
3: it was very succession-y, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it and so that's why I'm kind of glad that it's ending this season because I feel like it's gonna get I could see it getting a little old. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. these characters are not developing, <laughs> they're not like they're not changing who they are. They've like I was talking about this with someone else. I was like, "There." The, I was like, "I was like, oh, I was like, is there a big difference between like season one, and season four? I was like, "No, they've just like they weren't that terrible in the first season." Like, no, they've just been terrible all the time.
4: Yeah, I feel like the only character who's changed is that is Greg, and yeah. that Greg has gotten worse. <laughs> Greg is like awful now, so yeah. Um, but I loved it.
1: I feel like Succession is a show about rich people problems, which brings us to our first topic. For today, last week's topics were so powerful that we do have to revisit a few of them. We did talk about the Gwyneth Paltrow ski trial with Sammy and Elise on Thursday and the TikTok hearing in Congress. The former has since exploded into the culture, and we'll have a very special guest to join us later in the show to debrief on the TikTok hearing. We will also, regrettably, take a look at Trump's address in Waco over the weekend.
4: (laughs) God. Crazy. Truly, truly
1: just dystopian. So let's start with the goop queen herself. So on Thursday, you know, we went over some of like the alleged details of the case. But then I, I think it was Friday's testimony that was like extra special and everybody really dug their teeth into. And you know, I think in Thursday's recording, I think some of us were like, she definitely hit him. And since then, I, I have seen a lot of people online with varying degrees of rage and enthusiasm defend Gwyneth Paltrow and vi- react very strongly to making any light of the scenario. Okay. Is it I think this man definitely crashed into her.
4: I don't care. Exactly. That <laughs> I don't care who crashed into who. I don't give two shits. I don't care if people think it's mean. Dwyneth Paltrow is so She'll rich. be okay. She is so insulated from truly any repercussions of anything. She is being, I would say... I would say that the coverage of her in this, even though people are, like, lightly kind of roasting her, is also, like, kind of pro her. Like, people are very, like, she's mother, she's being iconic, da-da-da. So I, you know, I'm sorry that someone was injured, but I don't care which of these two very rich people skied into the other one. I just Is he I also very
0: rich? Don't.
1: He's a retired optometrist, and they they do well. Okay. I mean, I just wonder
3: why he's doing it. And if he's has, uh, just to be just to be see su- the person suing.
1: That's the other thing. Brenda well, Paltrow. he originally wanted three million dollars from her. And now he just wants 300000 which for both of them, it just seems like, what are you doing here? So I think we all agree it's fairly likely that this man crashed into her and is trying to exploit her for cash. Like, I'm sure that's what happened, especially because like, he's basically blaming every problem he's ever had on her. His sibling or his kids are like, he's not nice to us anymore. His, his situation ship broke up with him. But my question is, you know, originally I was like, I don't understand why Gwyneth didn't just settle this. If it were you, If you had a net worth of like tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, would you go to trial for this or would you just pay him off?
4: Well, you have to you have to also take into consideration that not only are you rich, but you're also one of the most detached, weird people in the entire world, which Gwyneth absolutely is. Um, She's a. So I'm like. I think if I'm Gwyneth, yeah, I do, because I think that she's got apparently all the time in the world to do this. Uh, And I mean, I guess maybe when he was coming for the full one million, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go against that now that it's 300,000. It is kind of like a who cares when you're someone like Gwyneth Paltrow. But also at the same time, I do think she's petty and has the time.
3: Well, like I think that if someone was like clearly lying and I, I would be very angry about it. You know, I yeah. would feel some some like sort of like entitlement or like, I don't know, I would want to be redeemed. But at the same time, is it worth her like the image that it's portraying of her? Like, is that ben- like I think if she wanted to be an actress still, it would not be behoove her to do this but she doesn't really seem to want to be an actress anymore she just wants to be like a someone who like stands on a pedestal for rich white suburban women
4: she went on a podcast last week and said she only eats broth like she does not give two shits what the plebes like us think about her um it's yeah it's it's why she's like the kind of figure that she is or has always been is because she doesn't She is not connected to, like, what normal, like, randoms like us think. She cares about people who can afford to buy a $300 jade egg to put in their vagina. She cares about people who have an infrared sauna in their actual house. Those are the people that Gwyneth... Those are the people whose opinions Gwyneth is, like, even cares about at all. So, um, I mean, I'll be honest. I really... Uh, I really don't care who's at fault. I think that this entire trial is just a very silly thing that will end up however it ends. But I think uh, as far as like repercussions to the world, there are zero. And this is just a trial of two rich people on a rich people ski slope saying funny things at each other. It's Mm -hmm. just
3: good for us for (laughs) content. You know what I mean? It's just fun
4: for memes. It's exactly. just fun for memes. I don't think anybody really needs to take it too seriously. Gwyneth doesn't seem like she's taking it that seriously up there. So. No, she does not. I
1: think that's perfectly put is that, like, it's it's very enjoyable because the stakes feel pretty low. Like, this man got hurt, but he was going to get hurt. Like, if he if he skied into her, that's what happened. What I don't understand, my biggest question is that, like, how brittle is this man and how much of a brick is is Gwyneth Paltrow? Like it is not in dispute that they were part of the same collision. That is not in dispute. Yet this man walked away with four broken ribs and a concussion and she skied away to lunch. So I don't, I don't understand just like the mechanics of what happened. So something I think this works. Yeah.
4: Yeah, She's maybe she's healthy. She's been detoxing.
3: She's made of cement at this point. She is a (laughs) pillar.
4: (laughs) That is so true. She's the healthiest woman in the world. And so this guy got absolutely wrecked. I also think it's just crazy that this happened on the bunny hill, which is like, how fast are y'all going on the bunny hill? Really? But It's not even
2: that
3: possible to go super fast on the bunny hill. There's like not enough of an incline
1: to create that velocity. Into some of the comments. And some person was saying, oh, well, I've been there. And that route, like you have to come down the bunny hill to exit a certain way. So maybe that's what she was doing there. But um, um, uh, like you said, who is this? Who is this bad for? Who is this good for? It's just good for us. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, like at worst, Gwyneth Paltrow loses $300,000 that technically she should have been able to keep. That's the worst outcome of this entire thing. So I personally am not uh, lying awake at night too worried about it. And
3: she can make <laughs> that back in a day.
4: She yeah, can make by that selling if she more jade to. eggs. She'll she, just release yeah. another line of jade eggs. Exactly. <laughs>
1: OK, so we also, you know, we're supposed to talk about Trump today, but we ran out of a little bit of time at the beginning because just I'm going on vacation later this week. And I think my computer knows it. And she's just like, we're done. It's time. Goodbye. So I would rather <laughs> talk to you guys before we have our guests joining about this new social media law in Utah. So before we revisit the TikTok conversation with our guest, uh, this was on The Daily this morning and we well, which we all listen to. Utah has become the first state to pass laws limiting social media use for minors. And the terms of these laws are pretty dramatic. People under 18 will have to get explicit consent from a parent or guardian to create social media accounts. Users who don't provide age verification will lose access to their accounts entirely. So this is going to affect adults, too. This would take effect in March of next year when social media companies will also have to find a way to implement a curfew between 1030 and 630, 1030 at night and 630 a.m. for kids in Utah who use the app. The law also requires companies to give parents access to their kids accounts, including private messages. So if that part sounds intense, if any of this sounds intense to you, it does to a lot of people. A lot of free speech advocates warn of a legal challenge. And, you know, anyone who's ever been a teen, I think, winces at the idea of their parents seeing their Internet activity just at any time that they want. And as we discuss this, like, it's important to note there are more targeted ways to kind of like go about uh, helping kids have a better experience on social media. But what are your first thoughts, you know, Elise, hearing this as somebody, you know, you had your podcast where it's your teenage self. You spent a lot of time thinking about the teenage experience. Like, what is your reaction to parents potentially being able to see everything their kids are doing on social media, even private messages?
4: Well, I mean, I guess I have two reactions. Number one, obviously kids will find a way to get around this. I don't think that that means we shouldn't put protections on the internet for kids just because kids will find a way to get around it. But like, it's hard to be a teen to say like teenagers in this one state are going to be the only ones who don't have access to this thing. Like, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um... But at the same time, like I do think ultimately that it's good that we are finally starting to have conversations about ways that state and federal governments can look into how social media is used at all. I mean, starting with how it affects kids, how it's used by kids, what's good for them, et cetera. But one of the things that came out of this TikTok trial that I mean people are roasting a lot is just like we have so the the conversation around social media and the internet and everything has felt so like backwards for so long. Like I feel like we're constantly in this situation where the laws are being made by people who like don't even know how to like print a PDF. And now <laughs> I do think it's good that we have finally gotten into a phase where people are actually looking for like legal solutions to how we can make the internet a safer place for kids and teenagers the one thing that does suck and i think that does need to be mentioned is that like especially when you're thinking about teenagers in utah you know some teens do turn to the internet and camaraderie and friendship that they find online and information that they find online because they don't have a great home life or they don't have access to that information at home or they're not finding support at home. So that is the one really big downside I see to this is that it's potentially cutting off, you know, like queer kids in particular come to mind for me, especially in a state like Utah, like from maybe finding, other queer kids that they can talk to or getting information that maybe they wouldn't want their parents to see them looking up, especially when we're in a situation where a lot of states are trying to ban them from being able to find that information at school. I -hmm. wonder if there's a way to incorporate some kind of protection for kids that it's like, you know, we're not going to immediately alert your parents that you're Googling like, what does it mean to be gay? Or like, am I gay? Am I gay? <laughs> Whatever. Gay quiz. I-,
3: I I gotta tell you, I definitely did Google a gay test many a time.
1: <laughs> and what what did what did Google offer you? Did you ask I Jeeves de- if you were gay? It
3: definitely it definitely came conclusive. Um, the <laughs> results are were positive. <laughs> You're gay. Um, oh God. No, I, that's what I was thinking the whole time, like reading this and listening to that to that episode this morning. Um, I would have been horrified if when I was like fifteen my parents were able to see what I was looking up. I feel bad for, I, I think kids in general, I feel bad for them today because they are just so surveyed constantly. Um, there's very little freedom. Like I was even just think like, even like they have phones. I'm sure their parents track their phones. They're, they're, they're never going to be able to like say like, I'm going to sleep over Jenny's, but really I'm at a party and I feel like stuff like that. So it's and kind it's of sad. It's like
1: that's good, but also Bad. I mean, who, but, yeah. who, who among us hasn't had a life-altering positive experience at a party in a field our parents didn't yeah. know we were at?
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, and so I, I do think it's like you said. I do think it's good to for social media to start being regulated, um, because we, we, you know, like we have regulations around alcohol and tobacco and cars, and we make them safer. And I think social media is new, and we need to make mm-hmm. it safer. But I think you know, you can't like. Pull the lever too far, you need to find, just try and find some middle ground, you know? Right,
1: right. Yeah. And I think people have said, and they said in the episode that, um, you know, this law will likely be challenged for free speech reasons, for privacy reasons. I thought it was really interesting that, you know, by, by, if Utah also makes adults prove their age, that's an invasion of adults' privacy too. That's, that, that suddenly mm-hmm. makes you visible to all these other sorts of ads. So there are, um, are a lot of barriers, but. Yeah, but also it's like, how is Utah going to, are they going to make everybody take a picture of their license and upload it? Part of me is like, sure, why not? And like, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I've been thinking about AI a lot, <laughs> like probably a lot of people. And it's just, I think that people underestimate the colossal effort that it is going to take for the government to kind of keep up with these things and monitor mm-hmm. them and make sure yeah. that they continue to be a... um a positive presence to the extent possible. And social media is sort of a very small, believe it or not, lower stakes kind of test of that. And we're failing.
4: Well, yeah. Did you know that picture of the Pope in the puffy coat was an AI generated Mm -hmm. image. I saw that for days before people were like, also this is AI. And I'm like, Literally everyone is sharing this image a crab, of the
1: pope in a and a- an AI will draw the crab. It's too much. I'm just enjoying that. I feel like it's like the next 6 months of my life, I'm just going to enjoy without robots doing everything and it's it's coming for us any moment now, y'all.
3: I don't think like I, I I you have to register to use a lot of things, you know. That's, yeah. I to get a to, to, like you said drive a car or whatever, like I and that would help with the bot problem, the misinformation problem. People would be less willing to like bully and cyber bully people because their name is going to be attached to it. Like, yeah. Like if you want to use these our apps, you have to be a person like that should, or a business, you know what I mean? Like that should be the rules. Like I, it doesn't seem it's too easy to make accounts these days. I think that they need to make it a little harder because that's how misinformation and AI, whatever.
4: And people use anonymous accounts that aren't linked to their identity in any way to like, really harass people and do and say terrible things. I mean, we've all seen like the difference between how people interact online versus real life. And exactly. a lot of it is that anonymity. But again, like some of the anonymity is good because people want to be able to seek out information, etc. So it is going to be about striking a balance between like, allowing free use of the internet for adults who want to use it for its stated purpose and finally putting up some guardrails and like you said like adding in regulations that help in make it safer especially for kids and it's
3: addicting i wouldn't mind being regulated a little I like I, yeah. I would I would I would opt in for that, be like you can only use it this amount of time. I know that they have the option now too, but all I do is like put in my passcode. And oh, it's I fine. just
4: ha- I immediately hit done for the day. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know why I have that set. Up. I know. Like
3: mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> one
4: more minute, like a free yeah. one more minute, one more minute. No.
3: It, it's yeah, it's not good.
4: I know, I might set my all my accounts to be like, I'm a teenager in Utah. <laughs> Please stop me. <laughs> Please stop me from using these fucking apps. <laughs>
2: A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now.
1: We are back. And if you were watching any of last week's hearing on TikTok before the House Committee for Energy and Commerce, then you could not have missed our next guest. It is TikTok CEO Shu Chu. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. We have V. Spehar today, though. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, I'm kind of like the angel on shoes shoulder Uh throughout the entire, yeah, according to C SPAN, right? I was watching and I was like, oh my God. I know (laughs) that. Yes. It's me trying so hard to hold my facial expressions. Not didn't didn't succeed the whole time, but did my best. That was
1: definitely gonna be one of my questions is at (laughs) which point who who tried your ability to keep a straight face the
2: most? Um, Uh, many many of them did. I mean, we've talked a lot about like the dumb things that were said and the really rude questions. There were a couple times when somebody asked a decent question that I wanted to be like, okay, Mr. Chu, answer that one. (laughs) Are you suppressing black and brown voices? Are you cutting them out of uh, compensation opportunities? I would like to know that. Fortunately, they didn't let him answer any questions. So we didn't (laughs) learn that. The one that got me, the one that got me, and I've been memeified now forever and ever and ever was when he, uh, they asked him about safety and security. And he said, well, let's look at Facebook and uh, Cambridge Analytica. And I, my face went like. Yeah. That's the only face. Kidding? That is the only face to I'm make. like Looking around the room for friends to be like, <laughs> right, right. No friends. So then I just looked directly into the c scan camera like.
1: You're looking for us. Friends? Are you are all here?" this? My friends were not with me oh, in that
3: room. God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. When you were going, did you know you would be seated where you were?
2: I knew I was going to do everything I possibly could to get that seed, including yes. Yes. get in line at freaking 5 a.m. to oh get word, that seed. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah, I was number one. Wow.
1: That <laughs> is, is dedication. You hear that, people? Even people with three million followers on TikTok. And that's, in fact, that's how you get three million followers on TikTok. I'm tell you. Exactly. That's what I
4: was going to say. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're a creator. Exactly. <laughs> if
1: you somehow don't know, V runs the TikTok account under the Desk News, which has nearly three million followers and offers people. What I think is so cool is people of all ages and political persuasions. Um, you know, a more gentle way to get the news. You don't, you don't patronize, but I do find it. It goes down easier. I feel like you launder the hard news for us. I am, and you know, have, to have you? You really kind of. Um, your kind of like success story is really emblematic of who who TikTok can kind of elevate when it's at its best. So. Again, tell us your, you kind of touched on this, but tell us your general reactions to the hearing. What was it like to be in the room? But also, do you think this accomplished anything useful for the American people? Kind of talk about that.
2: Yes, I am the nice side of the news, and I wanted that to be evident when we were in this hearing because I knew Congress was going to show their whole ass, and I wanted it to be clear (laughs) that, in fact, as they were talking about source code and if it connects to the Wi-Fi and all the technical things, all these technical things that they had no idea what they were talking about, TikTok is not... Just a technology platform, it's a community. And I very much represent that community and some of the best of that community. And I'm not ashamed to say it. So I wanted to be there. So that we remember that this isn't just about a platform that you can just migrate your audience to anywhere else. This is about the people on this platform. And I think if this hearing did anything, it was introduce America to Sho Chu, who is married to an American woman, has two half-American children, and went to Harvard University. All things that I did not know about him previously, mm-hmm. spends half of his le- uh, half of his time in L.A. This is a person who maybe was a big, bad, scary figure until we met him. Mm-hmm. Very endeared to the public, certainly. Um, And I think it did a lot for showing that, in fact, this uh, TikTok ban that the news and Congress continues to want to put forward and pretend that the Restrict Act is simply a TikTok ban to protect us from the CCP fell on deaf ears. One thing that Congress didn't count on is for the last three years on TikTok, we've been educating the public on civics, government, politics, how to organize, how to read legislation. We have a more informed public than we ever have before, and they weren't buying it. Yeah,
1: that is such a good point. That people maybe who aren't uh, who weren't primed to to um, be skeptical of these claims before, now because of who they follow on TikTok, uh, they are. So you kind of touched on this, but do you feel like the members of Congress really even grasped the technology
2: they were asking about? I don't think they cared, honestly, Amanda. I don't think they put any effort into caring. I think they thought that uh, throwing TikTok ban to the wind was going to be something easy. It was going to be a good mask for the deceptive things they're doing with the legislation they're trying to pass. And it just wasn't. 150 million Americans can't be wrong about this being the place that they want to spend their time, that they built their businesses and community on. And so I think Congress was a little bit cocky in the way they came into the hearing. I thought they relied on talking points from the 1980s and a lot of red scare and xenophobia that that Just simply does not fly right now, um, and shouldn't. And so, I think that uh, hopefully they learned something from the way they behaved and from Americans' uh, reaction to their behavior, and they'll be a little bit more honest going forward.
1: Yeah, I saw a spoof that was just spoofing the questions, and it was—I almost thought it was real because they were like, um, "What color is the algorithm?" <laughs> <laughs> <I know.
2: laughs> there was so much of that that was yeah. goofy.
4: It's wild to me that there isn't like. Just an all-hands meeting beforehand to just explain basics of how any of this technology works so that actually thoughtful questions can be asked. Because like Mm -hmm. you said, every once in a while, someone who actually did have some knowledge uh, would bring up an interesting point. And there are are things to be said about social media, the apps in general, Mm -hmm. how they're used, what what goes into algorithms that are real points to be made, but it's impossible to get to any of those when it's just a bunch of people saber rattling about stuff that they don't even understand. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think they also are used to their their constituents, the people they surround themselves, equally not understanding. So I'm sure in these circles that some of the older or more conservative members of Congress run saying something like we ought to ban TikTok goes over real hot goes mm-hmm. over great you know yeah. and that's why we saw a lot of really quality questions coming from younger members and democratic members about how is this affecting black people in equity how is this affecting women's safety when it comes to geo targeting i want to know about that rep dingle that was a great question um Rep Bowman, who held the conference to keep TikTok just, be- uh, just before the trial, Tri- oh my God, it felt like a trial, just before
0: the <laughs> hearing, it <laughs> wasn't a
1: trial. I've been mixing them up too because today we're talking about the Gwyneth Paltrow trial. Believe oh it or God, not. I'm and glad, glad I'm not a guest hearing. on
2: that. I got some hot takes on that. Jeez, um, Not until but he- you've had your bone broth V. Oh, I know. And my vagina egg or whatever I'm supposed to do. Oh, God. I like she's- that. <laughs> yeah, she's motion. wild, man. Yeah. But he was talking about, and AOC has talked about it. Jeff Jackson's talked about it. Uh, Mark Poke, uh, Mark Pocan has talked about it. There are no comprehensive data protection laws in this nation. Mm. Some of the Congress people were bringing up, well, how come it's not as secure as it is in the UK? Well, how come it's not as secure as it is in Canada? Those countries have comprehensive data user protection laws. We also would like to have those laws, but it's not achieved by banning. Yeah. Yeah, it's not achieved by banning a single platform. So I think a lot of good things came up. I wish that Chu had more of uh, a chance to explain Project Texas and what it is. And I wish that Congress would take more heart when they're dealing with this subject and recognize that there's a lot of people who use this platform for their faith leadership. A lot of churches were built on this platform during the pandemic. There's a lot of military families that connect with their member through this platform. And it's not something that we can just break up and throw away and say, well, up, oh, just go to Meta where we all own stocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. Each social media platform has its own culture and deserves to be respected.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, it's also interesting, especially to bring up Meta, because like one of the driving forces of the hearing was the idea that TikTok's algorithm can be manipulated by the CCP, which I. I do think there are questions raised there, but we also have to remember that Meta was manipulated by a foreign government Mm -hmm. when it wasn't owned by that government. So I I feel like they're putting so much on TikTok specifically when the questions that they're raising are actually universal things to all social media platforms And this idea that they can come in and shut down TikTok and they're just shutting down one business is actually wrong. If they were to shut down TikTok, they're actually shutting down a huge number of businesses Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Like, it's like, I was saying this to Brian while we were off air but it's like coming in and basically shutting down a mall and being yeah. like actually all of you are done and yeah. everyone has to go home like yeah. TikTok yeah. is I mean, the mall where all these
1: other stores yeah. exist. I mean Brian's and his team have you're like a couple away from hitting a million and y'all have been oh. working so hard for that and I know it's like <laughs> can you imagine
3: <laughs> We're we're at like 955 we're going to we're going to be at like 999 and it's going to be
2: gone. Um, I don't no, think it's going to be gone. Yeah. I, do, I do think that the, I don't yeah. think TikTok's going to be banned. And I don't want creators to be scared into yeah. doing Facebook's marketing plan for them and <laughs> migrating our followers over to the meta platforms. No, don't do that. I,
3: I just curious, you know, they, 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 these people tend to be afraid of things they don't understand. And mm-hmm. I just wonder if it's just because they don't understand it and they're afraid of it. I'm just reminded of Um, I think I like read this or saw something. Remember when um, like K-pop fans all RSVP to that (laughs) Trump speech rally? How much do you think they're just like operating out of fear?
2: I think they're operating out of fear for the lack of control they have. TikTok has proven to be an incredible organizing platform. We oftentimes have the news before the news has the news because of that on the ground peer uh, journalism that's happening, that citizen journalism that's happening. I think about how things like the train derailment in East Palestine, Mm -hmm. would we have known as much about that? Last night... Uh, Philadelphia's water supply was contaminated and the messaging from the city and from the news was very confusing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't from Philadelphians on TikTok who were able to say, this is what I'm seeing. These stores are out of water. We're able to work with each other in such a way that the government feels maybe unincluded to or out of control with. And so they've decided that they can try and ban this one. I also think, again, the government has woefully underestimated who is on TikTok. They continued to say teenagers' favorite dance platform, mm-hmm. the biggest demographic of TikTokers, and the biggest growing demographic of TikTokers is people age twenty to thirty-four. Okay, mm-hmm. this is a, a hard, big voting block of Gen Z and millennials. These are people who are not teenagers. They own their own businesses. They have families. They're educated, or they're not, but they're voters, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that is what I think that they grossly uh, just underestimated. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a pretty strong case made, and a lot of security experts make it, that it is, in a lot of ways, it's not that much more dangerous or collecting different data than the other platforms. It's the issue of access to the algorithm, but as we've all discussed, like the companies like Meta and Instagram and Facebook, they're not really doing a fantastic job of, of doing a productive algorithm. So, you know, I'm curious, v, what would you say to people who, are, who have kind of just started watching this debate? Maybe their parents, and they're thinking, like, I get that TikTok's just as bad, but... Look, if they can ban it because of the China connection and they think that's how they can ban it, why not? Just just go for it. Yeah, why not? How would you respond to that?
2: So what I think is so interesting about the algorithms and what Facebook hasn't been yeah. able to figure out and is obviously making Mark mental over there <laughs> is Facebook did a bunch of research into building their algorithm on outraged uh, rage, on anger on divisiveness, we saw reports come out that showed if you used all capital letters, if you were showing anger, if that was the, the content that they were prioritizing. And what Sho Chu mentioned, which I have experienced personally as a TikToker, is that the TikTok algorithm is wholly much more positive. It is a much more happy, positive place. You're more likely to find educational content, people doing something funny, people doing something entertaining, and I think that's the danger of getting rid of TikTok or saying, "Well, it doesn't matter which one we get rid of." Mm-hmm. I would get rid of the one that sold our information to Russia. I would get rid of the one that constantly has hacks. I would get rid of the one that has a billionaire who's trying to I can't buy up a all the LinkedIn Because it's annoying. LinkedIn is annoying. <laughs> Snapchat is the worst of all oh, of them. Gosh. I mean, if we're talking about one yeah. that is the danger to children, Snapchat. Um, and so I think, I think it's just. You know, they thought that this would be an easy one to ban or that everybody would be as xenophobic as them, and they're just not.
1: Yeah. When you
2: go to the App Store, the top four apps on Apple right now are Chinese-owned companies. There are 261 Chinese-owned entities in the United States, equating to trillions of dollars in economic activity. What are we going to shut down next then? You want to shut down all the AMC theaters? You want to shut down all Mm -hmm. the video games? We want to shut down GE appliances? Like, where will it end if we're going to shut down all potentially connected to China Entities. Yeah,
1: that's such a good point. And I think that the lawmakers um that that are Not all of them are acting out of a xenophobic impulse, but the ones that have their own problems with this are definitely taking advantage of that connection. Before you joined, we were talking about a new proposed, I mean, a past Utah law, actually. We'll see if it actually uh, gets to go into effect that would really limit, or actually, it would limit how much teens are able to go on social media. and would also allow their parents to have access to basically everything that they do. And we were talking a bit about that. And it made me think, you know, I'm really curious from all of you, when you were young, what was like a niche internet community that like really just rocked your world as like a teen and just was so important? important
3: to you. Um I have my answer ready to go. Lady go Gaga used to have a fan club, littlemonsters.com. Yes. <laughs> I would go on there and chat with people about Lady Gaga, about gay stuff, yeah. life. Um They maybe they should bring that back. Maybe after they should the com. After I did after I googled gay test, am I gay? Yes. Yep. Um so yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't love if my parents saw all of that. But you
4: know. Yeah, I uh, I've been pretty open about my involvement in the uh, Harry Potter fan fiction community, and um, that would have probably been my most niche. I was also a MySpace kid, learned like code so that my MySpace could have like a robot that went like "fuck you" when you like came into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, the thing is, I. I was worried about my dad reading my fan fiction, but in retrospect, <laughs> I think the chances that he was going to dive into that uh, were actually quite low.
1: Yeah, you really <laughs> over- overestimated the will there.
4: I, yeah, I was very worried that he was going to read all 39 chapters of my fan fiction, and I, I don't think he was interested in that.
2: Yeah, so. what about you, V? Uh, I had a live journal that my mother yeah, did find, and that I did get in a lot of trouble for, <laughs> because I was using it essentially just as a as a, in lieu of therapy, if you will. And I was very candid with my thoughts as a teenager and young college student, mm-hmm. and she just found archives, just months of me talking about, you know. What we do talk about in therapy, our mothers, our families, the things we're disappointed in, but also like what I was struggling (laughs) with in my regular life. But the live journal exposure was difficult. One thing I will give my parents, uh, they are both strong believers in the Constitution and they do believe that children have civil rights and that children have constitutional rights. And I think that's something that we need to align around right now. Does, if life begins at the spark of creation, at the meeting of the egg, and mm-hmm. civil rights and constitutional rights begin then, then shouldn't children have the constitutional right to freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom, the right to privacy? These are things that we we need to get our heads around and we need to get on board with. I do believe that there is a need for data privacy restrictions here in the United States, and I think that that is something we would all want to work on positively together. But to single out a single place where people feel they can express themselves the best and say not here, mm-hmm. what's the difference between that and shutting down a church and saying, well, there's a church next door? Too bad. It's mm-hmm. not fair and it's not right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, V. But definitely great stuff to keep in mind as we continue to to watch this. Um, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I think that like they might be like. We're going to ban it. And then everybody's like, OK, OK, OK. And then they come to some sort of solution. What what kind of how do you foresee the, this runway? Where do you see it leading to?
2: So the information I have says that Biden wouldn't ban it until after the election because he thinks Not that he he'll be reelected. <laughs> Well, here's what I would say. If there is even a potential ban on the table, the Democrats are going to struggle in this next election mm. because so much organizing and so much like positivity was put behind the Democrats because of this platform. I think you're going to see a lot of Congress people and senators get primaried. And I think if Biden continues to stand by the idea of a TikTok ban, we're going to see 150 million Americans vote for Marianne Williamson. And I really think maybe I'll come on for a future episode to talk about what that would be like. Oh my God. So,
4: you know, oh my God. I, I
2: think it's very dangerous. Um, and I don't think it's something that any politician can expect to get support from TikTokers and go through this if they haven't strongly come out against a ban on, on TikTok?
4: It well, it would just have such massive... It, it would be <clears throat> unprecedented for something like TikTok yeah. to be banned and for a social media platform to just go away overnight. And when you're in a situation where we've got all these young people, like you said, um, millennials and Gen Z who are looking at the Biden administration ahead of a new election and going, okay, so I was supposed to get my student loans canceled. That didn't happen. And the only tangible thing that I'm personally feeling in my day-to-day life is this app that I, like, got banned. That's Mm -hmm. not a winning combination for youth vote mobilization. and I, think especially I don't think they vote when, for Trump. Yes, but, especially
1: when they have seen some of their favorite creators, they have seen this administration take advantage of the goodwill towards yeah. them when it is useful to them. And I don't think that will be you know lost on the people that, that have influence.
2: If I can make just one more point before we go, whether people agree with uh, TikTok or think it should be banned or all social media should be banned, I want you to really consider the impact that, that would be on our global conversation. If 150 million Americans yeah. were removed From a platform that connects us to things like seeing the protests in Paris, seeing the women's revolution in Iran, seeing what's happening in Ukraine. I think it's very dangerous and and to your point, unprecedented to say that Americans will be firewalled from that participating in that conversation. That's never happened. And I think that's a great danger that we should keep front of the conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. We'll No fascism. No No fascism. We're so close. We can't do one more thing. We can't today. (laughs) Not today. That is our show. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Byron Smith. And this is the Regisa Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sausmakat. Editing by Rebecca Sausmakat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.